Yo, church fam, always good uh, to be here to worship the Lord together. If you have a Bible, you can open it to John chapter number one. I, I certainly hope you do. And I hope you can open that Bible to John chapter 1. We started a few weeks back a series where we're going to journey through the entire gospel of John verse by verse. We have no idea when it will end, but we are excited to take this journey together as we explore Jesus through the gospel of John. So open your Bible to John chapter 1 as you're headed there. Uh, any of you a fan of potato chips? Maybe a couple of you. Any in particular have a favorite brand like I do? My, my favorite brand is Zaps. Anybody else into some Zaps potato chips? All right, two of you. I appreciate y'all uh, being with me this morning. My favorite, uh, my favorite Zaps potato chips are what they call voodoo. Now listen, I understand. I don't need you to come to my office this week or to send me an email. I do not believe in witchcraft, nor do I support voodoo of any kind. However, if it's the seasoning called voodoo by Zaps, I am 100% in. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife recently found some voodoo pretzels. I don't even like pretzels, but if you put voodoo seasoning on it, I will eat it. I discovered something. You could probably put voodoo seasoning on anything, and uh, I would be in. I will try it because I love the seasoning. Now, because I love it so much, I have recently been searching for just the seasoning. I figure if I love it so much, certainly other people love it that much, and they've already tried selling just the seasoning. I don't care if it's on chips. I don't care if it's on pretzels. I want to put it on everything. So can I find just the seasoning. Now listen, I'm not an, an internet guru. I don't know all the ins and outs of searching and researching things, but I know a little bit of my way around the internet. And so I've been searching for voodoo seasoning and I finally found some. There was a website that popped up, had a little picture of like a, a bottle. It had the voodoo uh, uh, potato chip package like logo look and all that wrapped around the bottle. It must be the actual voodoo seasoning that I've been looking for. So after searching, I found that website. I clicked on the website. There it was, a link to buy your very own bottle of voodoo seasoning. I clicked on the link and nothing. So I went back. There was another link later in the article. So guess what I did? I clicked on that link. I was excited. Guess what I found? Nothing. No matter what I clicked on, I could not find the seasoning. Friends, listen to me. I was frustrated. Now listen, you may not care about voodoo seasoning or wonder why I'm even talking about that, but I bet you've had an experience similar to the one I'm talking about. Maybe it was Amazon. You finally found whatever it was. You've done all your research. You get to where Amazon tells you you can buy it, and then there is no add-to-cart option. Maybe it's Walmart. You've searched the website. It directed you to what you needed, and then you got there only to discover that it's not available. Or maybe it's that one piece of limited edition furniture that everybody else has in the world, how limited it could it possibly be yet after researching you finally find it only to discover it's been discontinued anybody dealt with the frustration of finding what you want knowing what you want there it is but yet you can't get access to it anybody with me on the frustration of finding something you've been searching for only to discover that you cannot have it yes two other people in the room have experienced my frustration well thank you for that right now listen to me it's one thing to experience this with a product that you want to buy. 
typically if that happens to you, you probably find something else or you figure out another way to get what it was that you were looking for. But I was thinking about my uh, dire uh, uh, desperation for the voodoo seasoning, and I thought to myself, how many people have had this problem when it comes to following Jesus? Now, I know you're thinking, Danny, following Jesus is so simple. Everyone knows how to do it. They either follow him or they don't. Well, here's what I would tell you. This is probably true for you. It's probably true for me. It's probably true for most people who have grown up in a church that have been there for a long time. They've been hearing about Jesus for years and years. But what about the person who hasn't had those same experiences that you've had? They've attended church. They've heard about Jesus and a relationship with him. They realize how incredible it sounds. Maybe they've had friends who express how they couldn't possibly make it another day without Jesus. They come in wearing those t-shirts that say, just Jesus and coffee. It's all I need. Get me through the day, right? Or maybe they're even at a point like me when it comes to the voodoo seasoning from Zaps where they're willing to do just about anything to start following Jesus. I wonder how many people are in that type of category in our communities, even in church this morning, who've come to a point where they know Jesus is more than just a great product. He is the one they need. Now listen, I realize the product illustration breaks down. I know that Jesus is much more than something that you can buy, but it connects when we think about people who know they've found something, but they don't know how to have access to it. They've heard, they've seen, they've researched, but yet they don't know what to do next. Maybe the holdup is simply that they don't know their next step. They don't know how to get to Jesus, to make Jesus theirs, or what we would say Jesus to make them his. Now listen, this is my favorite part about the gospel of John compared to the other gospels. Listen, I'm not saying that the other gospels don't have the intention of pointing to Jesus. Obviously they do, but John's entire goal is to make it clear that Jesus is who we need and to make it clear how we can actually have him. If you don't believe me, if you were to flip to the back of John, he reveals to us his purpose for writing the gospel. Here's what he says. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that that by believing you may have life in his name. That's what John's going to do throughout his entire gospel. That's what he does in John chapter one. He tells us a description, then a delegation, then a declaration, and finally a decision. This group of guys who have decided to follow after Jesus. John in John chapter one is about to describe the faith that is needed to follow Jesus, and he's going to use several encounters with his early disciples to help us see it. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Danny, I've already chosen to follow Jesus. He's still going to show you the faith that's needed to continue to follow Jesus. Whether you know Jesus or you've been in a relationship with Jesus for years, the context of John chapter one and the early disciples is as important for you and me as it is for anybody in the world today. Listen, with each encounter that Jesus has, there is the presentation of the truth, an initial response from the hearer, and then a decision to believe and follow. Friends, not only does that happen in salvation, it happens every day as God reveals to us what is next. Will we believe it? Will we receive it? Will we follow Jesus? Well, here's what I want to point out this morning. I think that what John shares with us is four really five, maybe six, but we'll only talk about four stages 
of a disciple of Jesus. We're going to talk about four of them, but I'll give you a couple of subcategories as we work through John chapter 1 this morning. I hope you're there. Find verse 35, because that's where we're going to pick up in our discussion this morning. I want to call the first stage of the, the, the stages of a disciple that Jesus makes known to us in John chapter 1. I want to call the first stage the seeking Stage. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Look at John 1, verse 35. John writes, the next day again, John, gets kind of confusing. He's talking about John the Baptist, not John the apostle that's writing the gospel. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. If you got a pen, a highlighter, whatever it is, this is a huge moment in the life of these early disciples. Did you catch it? They followed Jesus. I love John the Baptist's disciples in this moment. They begin following Jesus after John calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Now, we talked last week about John the Baptist. We talked about his purpose, which, by the way, is the same purpose that all of us, uh, uh, of us who follow Jesus have. John was paving the way for people to meet Jesus. We summed this up in a little phrase, my story, his glory. We exist to point people to Jesus. That's what John the Baptist was doing. He was helping people in the seeking stage of discipleship know exactly who Jesus was. Now, the two disciples that are uh, referred to here that were following John the Baptist, we know later are Andrew, we'll discover that in this passage of scripture, and most likely the apostle John who's writing this gospel account. We know that because he refers to himself in an unnamed manner all throughout this gospel gospel, never highlighting himself. So Andrew and John were disciples of John the Baptist, who after hearing that Jesus was the Lamb of God, decided that they would now follow Jesus. Now there are two key words to help us understand the seeking stage of a disciple of Jesus. The first one is the word followed. Don't forget, I said remember this, they followed Jesus. It means to walk after. It means literally to walk in the same steps as Jesus. They were watching his life. They were listening to his teachings. They wanted something from him, like all disciples at that time would want from their rabbi or from their teacher. But the word follow doesn't mean that they have pledged their lives or their allegiance to Jesus yet. The word followed means they are investigating. That's what they're doing. They have come to Jesus. Someone they trust has pointed them to him, and they are seeking, is this what I need for my life. And so John tells us in verse 38, Jesus turned and he saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? There's the second word that helps us understand this stage of a disciple. These are the first words that are recorded from Jesus's mouth in the gospel of John. He notices these guys following him. They don't seem to say anything. We don't know how long they've been following him. It's almost a little stalkerish at the moment, but at some point, Jesus turns around, notices, hey, I stopped at this place, and there they were. I went on to this place, and there they were. Everywhere I turn, there they are. These guys are following me. And so he asked him, what do you guys want from me? Why are you behind me? What are you seeking? Now the word seeking means to seek something lost. Now let that settle in for a moment because that is so huge for the seeking stage of a disciple of Jesus. They're looking for something lost. You say, Danny, what do you mean? 
All of us are lost before we know Jesus, amen? That's why we use the description of people who don't know Jesus, we use the description as lost. They're looking for something that they know is missing in their life. Friends, what is it? Well, I've heard it said many times, you probably have too. It's called the God-shaped hole that exists in every person who's ever been born. We have a void in our lives that only Jesus can fit. That's why King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God has put eternity into our hearts. Sin has caused a void that only Jesus can fill. We all long for a relationship with God, the one who made us, yet sin has broken that relationship and we long to have it back. That's why the Apostle Paul quoted to the church in Rome in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, Paul would later write in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, right, that all of us have because we all shall fall short of the glory of God, that sin, the wages of that sin is death. We're all lost, seeking something. Friend, I remember this stage in my own life. I remember searching for something more when I too, like these disciples, encountered Jesus. And no matter what I looked for, no matter what I went after, no matter what I chased, nothing could fill the void except for Jesus. I just wonder, as you're thinking, as you're processing, as you hear the story of these early first disciples of Jesus, are you too in this stage where you're here this morning, friend, and you've been searching for something? Is Jesus pressing on your heart right now this morning with the same question that he presented to those first followers, what are you seeking? If you are, if that's you this morning, then listen to the invitation of Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 39. Look at it, it's right there in your Bible. Jesus said to them, come and you will see. They, he wants to know, what are you looking for? What do you want? They're looking for Jesus, and he invites them, as he invites you, as he invites me, to come and you will see. Jesus invites them to inspect him. Listen, the gospel, friends, isn't afraid of your issues, your doubts, your fears, your mess. We all carry baggage into our relationship with Jesus, yet he invites you, as he did those early disciples, to come and see what you find in him. Friends, if you're lost, searching for something, let me tell you what it is. The something you are searching for is Jesus, and he invites you to come and see. Today, your life can be changed forever, but listen to me. If you're a believer in the room, can I just remind you of something? You might be in this stage too. It might not be that you're seeking salvation. It might be you're seeking guidance or direction. It might be that Jesus is wanting you to grow deeper in your walk and your faith with him, and you need the faith to follow into deeper waters in your relationship. And Jesus is still saying, hey, believer, if you're lost in this moment, not lost as in going to hell, but lost as in you don't know what to do next, you're angry, you're frustrated, you're confused about something, the invitation exists for every person in this room. Stop looking to fill the the void with something else in this world. It's only Jesus, and he invites you today. Come and see. Amen. And maybe you're here this morning. You say, Danny, I'm, I am seeking something from Jesus. That's where I am. What should I do? Friend, move from seeking and investigating and find what you need in Jesus. He's the void you have. You know what the psalm writer said in Psalm 34? He said, taste 
and see that the Lord is good. Friends, he's good. And he waits for us with this invitation to come and see. Why not seek Jesus today? Listen, I went way too long earlier, so let me move to what I like to call the second stage. This is the surrendering stage. Now, I'm going to give you a few little sub points here because there's a little bit that's happening beyond the seeking stage and the surrendering stage. But still, I want you to see the surrendering stage. Let's go back to John 1, verse 38. And they said to him, Jesus has asked them, what do you want? You know, what are you seeking? And they said to him, these early disciples, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, we just read it, come and you will see. But watch this. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Now notice this, they present a question back to him, where are you staying? Now quite literally, they wanna know where he lives, where he resides, where he stays, but it's obvious that they're looking for something more than simply a location. Now they're not really sure what it is yet. We know this by the word rabbi that they use. Rabbi, which just means teacher, it's certainly a title of respect, but there were tons of rabbis at the time. There are various moments in the gospels where the disciples referred to Jesus as rabbi or as master or as teacher, but they're typically all in the beginning of the gospels. Why? Because by the end of the Gospels, they use a different phrase to refer, or a different word to refer to Jesus. It is not rabbi, it is Lord. Because at a certain point in time, they move past this idea of Jesus as a teacher and move into what we would call the surrendering stage, where they know Jesus is more than just a teacher. He is Lord, he is King, he is Savior. So I want you to notice how the time of seeking that they have moves to seeing. This is why Jesus says, come and see. And they stayed and they saw. Don't miss that too. That's a good moment to circle in, in the understanding of what's happening in the disciples' lives. They are certainly seeking. Then they move to seeing because they see who Jesus is. Then they move to staying. By the way, once we see Jesus for who he is, who wouldn't want to stay as long as they possibly can with Jesus? And as they stay and realize all that he is, they surrender their lives to him. As a matter of fact, the word staying that the disciples used is the same word that John uses all throughout this gospel as we will continue to see. Jesus constantly uses the word stay. Now, most famously is Jesus's discussion with his disciples in John chapter 15, verse five. Listen to it. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides or remains or literally stays in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You know what's happening in these moments when the disciples realize there's nowhere else to go? Why would we leave this moment? Let's stay with Jesus. Do you understand the process that's taking place? It's like what Jesus says later in John 15. Those who follow me, stay with me, remain in me, abide in me. Why? Because we realize there is nothing we can do outside of Jesus. This is the moment, the stage where we surrender all of who we are to Jesus. Listen, Jesus wasn't looking for popularity. He wasn't looking for large numbers of followers. You know what he's looking for? We'll discover this later in John's gospel. He's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Can you imagine 
those first disciples, as they stayed with Jesus, as they came and they saw Jesus invited them and they accepted and they realized, I can't go anywhere else. Could you imagine what it must have been like to eat with Jesus, to stay with Jesus, to talk with Jesus, just them and him for all those hours? Friends, they didn't need anything else. It was that moment where they surrendered all to him. Hey, friend, when was the last time you stayed with Jesus? When was the last time that you were unwilling to leave his presence because you knew there was no better place you could ever be than to stay right here with Jesus. Friends, I don't care if you know him or if you don't know him. That invitation still exists for you today. He's asking you to stay with him, to surrender more, to give him everything that you have. You say, Danny, how do you know from those words that they really surrendered their lives to Jesus? Well, let me just point out the reality that we will read about in just a few moments. Andrew told Peter this phrase, we have found the Messiah. I feel like that means a little bit more than just some cool guy. Do you agree? Philip told Nathaniel, we found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I think that's a little more than just a claim on a cool guy that they spent an evening with. Even Nathaniel, once he meets Jesus, says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I love this moment in the encounter that Jesus has with his first disciples. What began with coming to Jesus has quickly moved to a confession of Jesus. They were seeking and searching. They moved to seeing and staying, which quickly moved to surrendering. Friend, is that you today this morning? Do you need to surrender your life to Jesus? Listen, you may be lost. You've never started a relationship with Jesus before in your life. And maybe you're here and you realize he is everything. You've been looking, you've been searching, you've been trying to find the answer in anything that you possibly can. And right now you're realizing for the first time that answer is Jesus. Friends, he invites you to come and see, to stay with him. He invites you to lay down your life and surrender it to Jesus so that he can live in you. He offers you today new life. Hey, believer that's been trying to follow after Jesus for the last several years, is there more that he's asking you to surrender to him that you've been holding back for yourself? He's still inviting. Come and see and stay so that you can surrender whatever it is. He's still asking you more than just Savior. Make him Lord of everything in your life. I love this surrendering moment in the early followers of Jesus because of all they laid down for him. You say, Danny, I, I don't know that I'm ready for anything like that. I don't know that this is really true of me like it was true of them. Jesus doesn't care about me like he cared about those early disciples. Well, let me just show you, if that's you and you're still not convinced, let me show you something from the next few encounters that, we, that we'll read about in just a moment. But let me just point this out. The first person after those two early disciples, Andrew and John, that we really get an account of following Jesus is Peter. It says a little bit later that Jesus looked at him, talking about Peter, and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, what I really want you to focus on is not necessarily the name change. John doesn't even fully tell us why Peter's name is changed. But I want you to realize is the word that John uses when it says Jesus looked at Peter. It means to look at something intently. Jesus wasn't just looking at Peter like I'm looking at all of you right now. He wasn't looking at Peter. He was looking in 
to Peter. I love this process because Jesus saw people not as who they were, but as who they would ultimately become. And the same, by the way, is true for you and for me. The focus is much less on what this name change means for Peter than on the Jesus who knows people thoroughly and not only sees into them, but also calls them that he makes them what he calls them to be. He so calls them that he makes them who he calls them to be. I wonder what Jesus looks at when he looks at me, when he looks at you. Listen to this. I love it. The equation of life reads man as he is plus Christ equals what man can be. All right, Danny, Peter was extraordinary. Of course, Jesus looked into Peter. Why would he look into me? Well, listen, even though Peter's famous in church history, there's two more guys that we experience in this encounter that, to be honest, we don't really know anything about other than their names. You say, Danny, what do you mean? Well, a little bit later, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found this guy named Philip and he said to me, follow me. We don't know a ton about Philip, but let me just point out a few things that we do know. The phrase, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Friends, that resonates in this moment with my own heart. You want to know why? Because I remember a day when Jesus decided to go to Laurel, Mississippi, to Salem Heights Baptist Church on January 19th, year 2000, and find a scallywag by the name of Danny Boudreaux and call him from death to life. No one has to know my name, but I found Jesus. You say, what do you mean, Danny? Not that I found him, but he found me. Look at this. He found Philip. I resonate with this moment because back then when I was 13 years old, I wasn't any more looking for Jesus than I was looking for anything else. But Jesus was looking for me and he found me that day. You say, okay, Danny, Peter's cool. Philip's cool, but who cares? I'm, I, Jesus, there's no way he cares about me. Well, let me tell you about somebody we know even less about. His name is Nathaniel. You know what Jesus said to Nathaniel? He said, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Did you catch that phrase? Before Philip called you, I saw you. Friend, Jesus sees you today. Will you surrender to him? He sees you in your mess in your struggle, in whatever's going on, even as insignificant as you think you are, Jesus sees you. I love how Paul put it to the church in Rome, in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You don't have to be known by anybody. You don't have to be special in any type of way. You don't have to clean anything up. No, it doesn't matter where you are right now. Jesus sees you. You may not be looking for him, but he's looking for you, and he invites you to come and see, to stay with him. Why? So that your life can be forever changed. Friend, will you come and stay with Jesus? Will you surrender your life? Have you moved from seeking to surrendering? But let's move on. Number three, this is the, the, the third stage. This is what I like to call the sharing stage. I love this stage, and we really don't have time to read all of it, but we're going to anyway. Look with me at John chapter 1. Let's start in verse 40. The story continues. The encounters that Jesus has continues. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. 
Now, probably this idea of he first found his own brother wasn't necessarily that it's the very first thing Andrew did the moment after he met Jesus. What it probably means is that Andrew found his brother first because John found his brother James second. The idea is they met Jesus and wanted to go find someone else to meet Jesus. So, uh, 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 Andrew finds Peter and he says, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Then Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now watch this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now don't miss this phrase. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. You know why that's probably in there? Because Andrew meets Jesus and he goes and finds his brother. John meets Jesus and he goes and finds his brother. Andrew and Philip, uh, uh, Andrew and Peter then think about another buddy they have. His name's Philip. So they bring Jesus to Bethsaida or the area in which he's now in, in Galilee, and they find Philip. Now watch this. Philip then, after that, follows Jesus, it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. There it is. Same invitation, right? Andrew meets Jesus, goes and finds Peter. John meets Jesus, goes and finds James. Andrew and Peter then say, what about Philip? Then Philip meets Jesus, and Philip goes, well, what about Nathaniel? And Nathaniel's like, well, what are you talking about? And Philip says, come and see. And then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now watch this. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. In other words, you're the savior of the world. You are the king of Israel. In other words, you're the Lord of my life. You say, Danny, that's a lot. I agree. You know what I think Jesus is trying to remind us about the stages of a disciple of Jesus? Not just the seeking phase, that stage, that's important. Not just the surrendering stage, that is really important. But once you've stayed and you've surrendered, do you know what the logical step is for every disciple of Jesus? It's the sharing stage. As a matter of fact, if you look back at it, even John the Baptist in the very beginning of what we read, he proclaimed Jesus so that two of his followers followed after Christ. They wanted people to know Jesus. I love when, when Andrew says we have found the Messiah, that, that uh, Greek word found is where we get our English word for eureka. Man, is this not the biggest eureka moment in all of history for these guys? Hey, that one we've been looking for, the one who could change the world, the one that fills every void, even though we've tried to find everything else to possibly fill it, we've found him. His name is Jesus. Come and see. No, no, I won't ever believe that. So you bring them to Jesus. Oh, I'll never believe that. So you tell them from the word who he is, and then you invite them to come and see. And as the psalmist wrote, they will taste and see that the Lord is good. Friends, who are you sharing Jesus with? And found people always find people. That's exactly what we learn from the story of these guys. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter if you preach to a crowd about Jesus like John the Baptist did. You can, but you don't have to. 
doesn't matter if you prefer to simply go to someone you know and invite them, like Andrew and John and Philip all do. That's great. You can do that. doesn't matter if you appeal to a skeptical person like Peter, where you have to actually bring them to Jesus. That's fantastic. It doesn't matter if you appeal to a religious person like Nathaniel using the Bible as your proof. That's great. The point is simple. Those who have found Jesus and surrendered their lives to him will share him with others. Now watch this. This is the fourth one, even though we've probably had about six. This is the final stage of where I think Jesus talks about the process of a disciple, one who follows him. Let's call this fourth and final stage the serving stage. Man, this is where it really starts to get real and multiply to the world. Look at John 1 verse 50. So Jesus answered him. This is after Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? And Jesus is like, before Philip called you, I saw you under that tree because I know everything about you. And then Nathaniel makes this great proclamation, you are Savior and Lord. And Jesus answered him in verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Now watch this. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You will see greater things than these. This is a great moment in the progression. Jesus is letting Nathaniel know, I'm glad that you believe since I called you out, but this moment isn't all there is. Seeking is where it begins, right? Seeing is when our eyes are open to who he is. Staying is when we start to really understand understand. Surrendering is when we lay our life down. Sharing is the next logical step because how could we not tell people of the great thing that we've found in Jesus? But there's even more in store. He now wants to use you to serve his purposes in the world. Jesus is now referring to the lifelong journey of following him forever. The seeking becomes seeing, and the seeing becomes surrendering, and the surrendering becomes serving him forever. The invitation that Jesus gave these early disciples when he said, follow me, wasn't a one-time decision. They would be walking with Jesus forever. It's the same invitation that he's offered to us. Listen, Jesus wants them to understand that even though they would literally walk with Jesus and live with a physical Christ by their side, there would be a day when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended to heaven, and then they would be left with carrying his mission without his physical presence anymore. That's what he means when he says, you will see greater things than these. In fact, he makes a reference in here, the last part of verse 51 is a reference to a dream that Jacob had back in Genesis. Jacob had a dream of a ladder that gave access to heaven angels descending, angels ascending, a bridge between heaven and earth. You know why Jesus is making reference to that dream? Because he's letting Nathaniel and all the other disciples in on a secret, in on a mystery that no one else knows about. The ladder isn't just anything. The ladder is Jesus. He's the one that makes a bridge between heaven and earth. He's the one that allows us to have access to God. He's the one that would give all of us salvation, and we are now the ones who will bring that message to the world. That's us today. That's why the mission is so important. He left us here to make disciples who make disciples. That's why we want to glorify God by making disciples in Saltillo and throughout the world. Friend, are you following Jesus? Where? Where are you in the stages of a disciple this morning? I read about a guy this week. His name was W.T. Wagner. You may not know him. I didn't really know him, but he was the Secretary of Treasury under President Eisenhower. I have no idea what he did. That's not the purpose of the article. 
The article says that he was one of the richest men in Texas at the time when he was living. His ranch covered over 500,000 acres. I don't even know how to put that inside of my brain. He once took a businessman on a tour of the 500,000 acre ranch. He pointed to the north and said, you can ride 50 miles in that direction and you'll still be on my land. Then he pointed to the west and he said, you can travel 25 miles in that direction and still be on my land. It says of Wagner when he died, someone asked his business manager, how much did W.T. leave? The business manager with a little bit of a grin on his face said, well, friend, he left it all. Couldn't take any of it with him. I wonder how many of us have been looking for all these other things, filling our life with all these other uh, uh, things, and we're trying to fill a void that honestly Jesus is still sitting there with his arms wide open saying, friend, none of that stuff will fill the void. You can't bring any of it with you. All that matters is me. I wonder if he's still sitting there with his arms wide open looking at us like crazy folks going, just come and see. Just Come and see. I wonder if all those times when Danny's losing his mind, Jesus is over there with a little grin on his face going, man, it's as simple as just coming to me. Wow. I wonder how many people need to hear that this morning. Listen, you may be lost. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're seeking for something more. Can I tell you something? You can find it in Christ. I wonder how many people have never surrendered their life to Jesus and his lordship. Can I just tell you something, friend? He's still sitting there asking you to come and see. As a matter of fact, don't forget what John wrote at the beginning of this letter in John chapter 1. He said, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I wonder if you're here this morning, you say, Danny, I, I can't tell you the last time I told anybody else about what Jesus has done in my life. Friend, when you stay with Jesus, the only natural thing that comes from that is that you share him with others. So maybe there's some changes need to happen in your life. Or maybe you'd say, Danny, I, 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 I don't know what I need to do to serve Christ. Well, friends, maybe that's the next logical step in your discipleship journey is you need to find your place to serve. He's asked us to carry on the mission. If we don't carry it forward, guess what? It ends. Actually, it doesn't. You know what Jesus says? He says he'll make the rocks cry out and become disciples of his. He'll make the trees declare his glory. Friends, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you need to hear. I don't know what Jesus is trying to say to you this morning, but here's what I do know. His invitation still exists for all of us. He invites us to come and see. He invites us to taste and see that he is good. He invites us with a better way. His name is Jesus. Listen, if you don't know him, you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm gonna be right back there in that lobby in just a moment. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing. We're gonna leave here and go eat lunch like we do every single day. We're gonna live another week and we're gonna come back in here and do it all over again. But before we do, if you don't know Jesus, I pray, I beg that he's calling you right now, that you hear that invitation. What are you seeking, friend? What do you want from me? Come and see. I pray you hear that invitation this morning. You come find me in that lobby. I'd love to take my Bible, show you how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. Hey, believer in the room this morning, I don't know how these early disciples are challenging your life, but every time I read about them, they challenge me. They left everything and surrendered what they had to Jesus. They told everyone else about him. They served him for the rest of their lives. Friends, if that doesn't motivate your soul, I don't know what else will. I don't
don't know where you are, but maybe today you need to fall on your face and say, God, help me live as you want me to live. You need me to pray for you. You need me to talk about anything. You wrestling with something in your life. You want to join this church. You want to surrender to ministry. I don't know what the response might be for you today, but friend, if you need me, I'll be in that lobby. Brother Corey will be in that lobby. You come find us. We'd love to tell you about Jesus. If not, you know who's better than coming to me? Maybe today you just need to take a moment with him and just say, God, here I am. Work in me. Let me pray.